Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Welcome back to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number two here on AM 590 ESPN, Omaha ESPN, Tri-Cities. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. We're joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by our friend Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Mitch, how are you this morning? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, We're... Mitch. Maybe you can slap some sense into me real fast because <laughs> Robbie and I just got, I'll try. It got caught back and forth. <laughs> Feel uh, free to about, slap him, Mitch. <laughs> about Dylan Raiola. You slapped me through the screen. I, I think it's okay to say today that Dylan Rayola is is your starter. I like I I really believe that if if somebody just came out on this coaching staff and said, "Hey, Dylan Rayola is going to be the starter next August." Like that wouldn't come as a shock to me. And I think it's okay saying that. But for you, are you on like the wait and see until spring mode like Ravi's at? Well, you have to ask yourself who else would it be because Nebraska's not in a hurry to go back to Heinrich Harburg, who did some nice things in his eight games as a starter, and I think was hamstrung by the fact that Nebraska was down receivers and, and running backs during the the, the the entirety of his run as, as a starting QB. But, you know, that's not the guy that they talk to recruits in this class about as the future leader of the offense. I mean, we know that Nebraska had to completely change what it did offensively, in part because of those injuries, but also because of Harburg's skill set. So if he's the other option then, yeah, clearly you're looking at Riola to be the guy who w- will start. I mean, Danny Kalen is going to need some time. Um, he's, a, he's, he's more of a, um, a projection, uh, a developmental quarterback. Um, he doesn't have the, the same kind of size. Um, I mean, Dylan is coming in at 220, 225 pounds. Like he's built like a starting quarterback in the Big Ten right now, which is rare to find for a true freshman. So... Um, you know, I, I don't think you should do that with a true freshman. I don't think you should ever say nine months before he starts, hey, this guy is the starter because you want him to have every piece of motivation. They don't know what makes him tick at this point. I mean, we've seen him play high school um, and have success doing that, but it's a totally different animal that he's got to tackle now. So you want him to have every piece of motivation that, that he can to come in and use these, he needs these months ahead to turn himself into the player that Nebraska hopes he can be by the end of August next year. So there's not a whole lot of sense in just declaring him the starter. Um, you can know that. And I think inside the coaches' minds in, in the Nebraska football headquarters, you know, they're fully preparing for him to be the guy. Otherwise, you know, he doesn't fly in from mm-hmm. Georgia. Um, last night for a basketball game when the Huskers are hosting two transfer portal wide receivers. I mean, you don't do that with your backup quarterback. He's the guy that I think everyone expects is going to be the starter in 24, but um, declaring him that right now 
uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know what the benefit there is. All right, I'll come back to Planet Earth a little bit. I'll give Ravi the win. <laughs> I just need him to take a single practice nap first. <laughs> like, just give me a practice nap before we name him a starter, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't, you you can do it in August. Um, yeah, I think it'll be clear when they practice in the spring, and you know, whatever amount of practice that we get to see, or you know, former players get to see, who then um, you know tell us what their observations are, or at at the spring actual spring game. I mean, you you'll, you'll know. I mean, you'll see who's taking the reps with the ones, and if he's healthy. Um, it's going to be Dylan. Uh, Mitch, speaking of that quarterback room real quick, do you expect them to bring in maybe not competition for Dylan, but maybe like a veteran presence after the spring just for like a, a depth purposes at all? Because as you mentioned, if Dylan isn't the guy, there's really not a ton of options you love behind that. You've got a, a, a guy that I think they want to redshirt in Danny Kalen, a guy who'd have to run probably a totally different offense in Heinrich Harburg, and then a couple walk-ons. Do you think they want to bring in someone else just for depth purposes? Yeah, for like, um, you know, the sake of, of safety. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. it at Nebraska year after year after year the quarterbacks have a hard time staying healthy and Nebraska's had to go to a backup, I believe every year since 2015. So to think that it's going to be different in 24 and you're never going to need someone is probably short-sighted. I mean, it's, I know they're hopeful that they can go with one quarterback and he starts 13 games um, and finishes, you know, in, in bowl season and, and you never have to worry about the backup except in, um, you know, spot duty when it, when a game's out of hand, but I don't know how realistic that is today. Uh, so whatever you can do to help your depth, I think would be welcome. Um, it takes, it's going to take a unique, a unique player from the portal. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of guys are going to want to come in, um, knowing the situation that Nebraska's grooming a five-star legacy, you know, who's seen as a, a prodigy, um, to, to take things over. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that the majority of the, the quarterbacks in the portal are up for that. Um, you know, that you go in the portal because you're looking to, um, you know, you're looking you're looking to start if you're especially if you're an older guy. Um, and there are quarterbacks who are who have played one or two years of college who are are looking to come in and, and, and grow and be developed. But the kind of player that I think Nebraska would look for in the portal is pr- probably probably an older guy. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a young guy to come in um, because nobody has more eligibility left than than a true freshman. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think there's I think there every year there's one or two guys like that who who shoot pop into the portal, and you know Nebraska's going to have to going to have to identify that. Maybe they've already identified that player, but they're going to have to act and they're going to have to make a match. I don't think it's a lock, like it's a done deal because you just don't know if you're going to make that work. But ideally, yeah, you want to have somebody with some experience who can be a mentor for him, who can help be a leader in that room and be supportive. And then also there, you know, in case he sprains his ankle in week one. And as a quick follow-up to that, Mitch, um, and, and maybe the quarterback is an answer for this too, but what should the Huskers be prioritizing over anything else now that 2024 has begun? Um, Personnel-wise, or just you just you totally opening up yeah, the conversation I, I, to everything? I'll, I'll, I'll open the question up to everything because I don't think they know what they want to do on offense yet. Defensively, yeah. I think um, I think they look very strong and actually could be uh, a little bit more dangerous this season with the pieces yeah. that they have back. And then you know, even personnel-wise. 
Well, you know, there's you can you can go from the ground up at like every level of program building and find things that they need to do. And, you know, it's just been one year. So I think there's a lot that Matt Rule wants to tackle, um, you know, in 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 every aspect of the program, strength and conditioning, you know, in nutrition. And, you know, they're they're They've got all they want to move into the new, the new facility and have their their headquarters in one spot. They've you know, they've got um things they want to do with the culture still um it's this is there's nothing about nebraska football that's a finished product right now but i think which more what people want to know and what what you're probably asking are about the portal and the coaching staff and the priorities i think are to figure out what you're going to do with the staff on the offensive side i don't think they're done um they haven't made any shifts or moves at this point and i think there will be some we're kind of now entering that that next phase um, of what what the what the, when the coaching carousel spins and you know you started to see already this week some moves made around the country where assistant coaches are on the move some by their choice others not by their their choice and when that thing starts to churn um, you know coaches become available um, the NFL season is going to end here real quick and, and more coaches become available then so you know there are coaches who are who are out of work who perhaps. Um, have t- been taking the last month or so to to look at the landscape and determine, you know, if there's a spot for them um, on a staff here in 2024. So I think all of that comes into play and it will impact Nebraska. I do think that you're going to see somebody brought in to coach the quarterbacks. Um, you know, I don't necessarily believe that it impacts Marcus Satterfield and his play calling, but, you know, we'll see. It depends on, um, you know, on, on how all of that plays out. So that's a priority right now because you have this, this player who's who's so important to everything you're doing in Dylan Rayola, you know, and put Danny Kalen in that mix too, because he's part of the future. Um, and, and you need, you need to know, I think they probably have a good idea, but, but Nebraska has to, has to be able to move forward um, with a plan that everybody understands about who's, who's coaching them. Um, and, and I think it's unsettled um, at least on the outside at this point. And then when you start filling pieces on the roster, I mean, to me, it starts at wide receiver and running back and, um, you see just this this weekend in this little window where uh, portal players can visit right now between now and 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 Sunday um, that they've got players at both of those positions visiting campus, including two of them uh, last night. Mitch, you mentioned uh, that quarterbacks coach um, and, and it's been something we've talked about on the show. And, and Ravi has mentioned this name. I've seen this name pop up and even your articles before and other articles out there. But Glenn Thomas, um, that seems mm-hmm. to be kind of like the guy that people are leaning as a yeah. as a good fit because he's worked with rule before. But if it's not Glenn Thomas, who would be next? You know, I wouldn't get overly caught up with his name or any name. And, um, you know, they have they have candidates on the staff. Um, one thing that Matt Rule really likes to do is promote from within. You know, that's why he um, gives opportunities to to young coaches. Um, you know, some young coaches like a Garrett McGuire are able to work into a position where they're a full time coach, you know, right away. Um, and then others, uh, you know, he has plans for but they they start in analyst roles or in support staff roles. So it's a possibility that they've got a guy on their staff right now and Adam DeMichel who could end up working on a full-time basis with the quarterbacks. But again, like, you know, like with Glenn Thomas who's who's, you know, finishing out the NFL season with the Steelers and we'll, and we'll see. It very well, you know, maybe a call that's made to him or already has been made to him and and he and he's waiting this thing through like Nebraska did last year at this time with McGuire and with Rob Dvorak who were brought in from the Panthers after the regular season ended. 
Um, if it's not one of those two, I mean, it's it's wide open. Um, it's it's difficult for me. I mean, I you know I, I've heard names have names in my head, but I don't want to start a bunch of unfounded speculation and say that I think this guy's a candidate or this guy's not a candidate. Um, I, I think in, in when 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 conversations start to happen, if it's not one of those two, um, you know, we'll we'll get wind of it and we'll know. And a big a big part of that um, in in often is is what's going on next week in nashville um the afca convention starts this weekend um you know runs through runs through until wednesday and um it's like uh you know it's it's like a beehive (laughs) of coaching activity between the the interviews in the hotel rooms and in the back hallways and the the agents who are walking around and you know that that convention serves a lot of purposes um, for coaches to go and learn and, and visit with other coaches about the game of football. Um, and then the job market is a secondary purpose there. So, you know, we may be talking, we may, maybe could talk a week from now and have a much better idea about the direction that Matt Rule wants to head than we can say sitting here right now. We're talking with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Mitch, you had a, a sit down or a, or a, I'm not sure if it was a sit down or a zoom or whatever you want to call it with, uh, with Nick Henrich. Yeah, that piece was um, fantastic. Recently. And he's had one of the more, I think one of the more interesting careers at Nebraska from being uh, a pretty highly touted four-star in-state kid to some of the, uh, obviously being part of a coaching change, obviously coming back from the injuries to retiring uh, this past uh, after this past season because of another injury. Uh, when you sat down with him, you know you mentioned earlier about how you know Nebraska doesn't know how Dylan Rayola ticks yet. It, it seemed like we got a lot of insight this past year on Nick Henrich and how he ticks. What did you learn about him between what you saw him coming back from the injury and then your sit down with him uh, for the interview for the Athletic? Yeah, it was a phone call for for uh, for full disclosure purposes. <laughs> I'm gonna continue. Were you to sitting call down him. though, Mitch? I was, I'm gonna continue to call to sit down just because I can't help myself. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he I was appreciate- eating. Bre- he was eating breakfast <laughs> in an airport, and I was uh, I was sitting down. Yes. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> um, well, I, other than winning championships and and playing in the postseason, sadly. Uh, he's a guy who I think exper- has experienced about everything in his football career. Um, you know, you kind of laid it out, Robbie, but state champion at Omaha Burke um, started to get hit with the knee problems even back when he was in high school. You know, one thing I didn't know until Nick and I talked and, you know, college players when they're still active aren't necessarily jumping to like reveal the details <laughs> and extent of all the injuries that they've endured for obvious reasons when they have competitions and games still ahead. But one thing I didn't know about Nick and, you know, he was happy to tell me after his career ended um, is that he he tore both of the PCLs in, in his left and his right knee, um, one in high school and then one during the COVID year in 2020, um, didn't have surgery on either of those because they you know, that's not required. He was able to rehab them. And then the ACL on his right knee went out um, in the Purdue game a year ago in 2022. He had that repaired. Um, and then he did it again um, in just kind of a in, a in a tragic way, too, in overtime against Wisconsin in a game that, you know, not to not to dig up this old <laughs> wound, but 
that didn't need to go to overtime in the minds of a lot of people. So it was a four, it was the fourth down play. Um, Henrich had just been, had just been in on second down and blew up, um, blew up the pass protection and, and chased Tanner Mordecai out of the pocket, forced the third and long. Mordecai he came off the field, um, was okay. Mordecai scrambled um, to get within one yard of moving the chains inside the five. Um, and then Wisconsin ran it for a first down and, and he got blocked or tripped or pushed from behind by, by an offensive lineman. And you could see it. I went back and watched the, um, the replay and, and put in the story together about Nick after I talked to him and, and you could see him just crumple to the ground and he knew right away that he had done it again. And at that point there was so much damage in that knee, you know, he hurt the meniscus on this injury too. They had to use, um, a, 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 a cadaver, um, body part to uh, to repair the ACL this second time. Um, just completely unrealistic to expect uh, that he could come back and play football after that second surgery that he had. So um, he had no choice but to just give it up. And there goes the NFL dream because this is a guy for a lot of his career um, that that you could see going and playing in the NFL. You know, I don't know, you know, if he turns into a starter, if he turns into a practice squad guy, a special teams, but I mean, there was a role for him somewhere probably in the league and and you know it's gone right there after that 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 long list of injuries that ended in the Wisconsin game in November so um, to hear his perspective was was really interesting not just on the injuries and the decision that he had but on his experience at Nebraska through the coaching transition to Matt Rule and, and just what he thinks about Tony White um, and this team going forward. Stay right there for me Mitch what did you take away um, or at least what were some of his biggest takeaways uh, from playing under Coach Rule and Coach White for one year? Because it, it seemed like he spoke pretty highly about the two. Yeah, I mean, Nick's a class guy, and, and you know, he wouldn't have agreed to the interview if you know, he had bad things to say about anybody that he played for. So it was totally expected that um, by me that, that he would say things along the lines of what he did. But it was, it's still, it was still, I think, enlightening to hear him talk about the transition and how the older players on the defense – probably the older players in the locker room, you know, he mentioned Bryce Benhart too, in, in the, in the conversation, um, you know, they didn't know what to expect when, when Matt rule came in. And for the first few weeks that the coaching staff was coming together, they were almost entirely focused on recruiting and putting together that 2023 class. Um, so the, the returning players didn't get to know them, you know, until we got to about this time last year and they went to the convention and they came back you know, they started to 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 work with these guys as Nebraska got into winter conditioning and the mat drills. And that's all the stuff that's you know coming up here in, in 24 that I'm sure we'll get a heavy dose of on social media and, 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 you know, snippets when we get time with coaches and players. But a year ago, it was it happened, um, you know, under 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 just, I think, a lot of uncertainty, um, the returning players. And Nick, Nick voiced this, you know, they were worried that this new coaching staff would just want to make it all about their guys and bring in their guys and, and, and kind of throw the, the veterans to the side. And, and he said, you know, that's that couldn't have been more inaccurate, that as soon as they started to get to know these coaches, they realized how much they valued the older players at Nebraska. And it's probably why the transition, you know, while Nebraska was five and seven and, and that wasn't what, what what the Huskers wanted, the transition still went smoothly in 2023 and um as far as tony white uh you know he said that he's not played for a coach who was as um as dialed in on what an offense was doing as 
intuitive and instinctive in how to attack things um, from a defensive perspective as he felt in this this year under under Tony White. So, uh, you know, I, I think he shares the feelings that a lot of people who've who've watched Tony here over the last 12 months have voiced in that he's got a really bright future in this game and Nebraska's fortunate to have him back for another year. Mitch, want to change gears on you here. Uh, just about a few minutes left with you. Um, I know that you're you're pretty tuned in with the Gretna community and everything with uh, Gretna High School sports. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit this week about the passing of Brad Feakin, uh, the Gretna boys basketball coach, as well as that incredible game winner. Um, that Landon, uh, I don't know how to pronounce Pekorsky. it. Pekorsky. I always want to leave the R out for some reason. Uh, Pekorsky hit that same day. Just from your perspective, as, as somebody kind of tuned into that community, what does that impact have been, not just of his passing, but, you know, obviously he was struggling with this for a little while, and just the impact of, his, of kind of his coaching career and his struggle with cancer as he kind of neared the end of his life. Yeah, I, you know, I live in the Gretna community, and and my kids go to school in Gretna, and and my daughter um, had had Brad Feakin as a as a middle school reading teacher when she was in seventh grade, and you know, my son's in seventh grade now. I just dropped him off, you know, fifteen minutes ago, twenty minutes ago, at the school, you know, first day back after after break, where where Brad taught until this year. He moved to to the the other middle school in town when this when the second high school opened because he wanted to be connected to the kids who would go to who would go on to put to 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 attend Gretna High where he obviously coached and and you know when when he got the diagnosis um, a couple of years ago um, you know it was just shocking for the the community I I, I would I will say that he was as beloved or or more beloved probably had the opportunity to connect with more people as a teacher than he did as a coach and as a coach he was revered you know just for his his style um, very old school in the way that he approached uh, his practices and the discipline aspect of it. You know, my my seventh grade son went to his camps. Um, you know, as an elementary school kid, and 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 Coach Feakin was invested with everyone. It didn't matter if you were Landon Pekorski, um, you know, who's now a senior at Gretna and has been a four year contributor on that team, and 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 you know is is one of the guy, one of the many guys over Feek's seventeen years or eighteen years as the coach. Um, in this community that that whose life was changed by 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 Brad it didn't matter if you were him or you were like a fourth grader you know who could barely dribble like you had you you felt like when you were in his gym that 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 he knew you and that you that he would cared about you that the fact that you were getting better you know I'm talking about those camps obviously when he's with his team during the season um, it's much more focused on those 10 or 15 guys. But um, the impact that he had was, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to even describe. And the Gretna community has been, you know, alongside Brad and, and his wife, Jenny and their family, you know, from the beginning of this thing. And, and, you know, it was um, tough to see him coach through um, the pain that he was in because of the treatment that, that he, um, had to endure for the last couple of seasons, but at least there was optimism because he was he seemed to be doing well. Um, 
and, and then this fall, you know, has just been heartbreaking because he's got these kids in, in Pekorsky's class um, who are seniors. And this is a, a group that, you know, like many others that, that, that he groomed and, and came up through that program with him and, and have a, a chance to, you know, make a run at state in March. And he's not been he was not able because of uh, his his illness taking a turn for the worse to be able to be on the sideline with them for most of the of the season. So. Um, you know, Saturday night was was something entirely different, and it was it was emotional and and um, you know heartbreaking and and jubilant all at the same time. So we went, our whole family went to the game at, at Creighton Prep, and you know I was sitting next to a, another dad, um, you know who's been a coach in this community himself and a leader in, in youth sports, and he turned to me and and said um, in the third quarter, uh, this is going to come down to, to a final possession. Um, with the game on the line and the ball in Landon's hands. And at that time, you know, you had no idea, but you just, it just had that feel in the gym all, right. all through that game. And it did. And he made the shot. And, you know, it was one of the, it was one of the, probably one of the more memorable um, sporting scenes that I've, I've ever seen, you know, at, at any level, just because of um, the news earlier in the day that, that, Feek had had died um so you know I always remember it and you know I know it's you know my thoughts continue to be with the players because it's tough for sure for those guys to uh, uh the players and the coaches the assistant coaches who, who to uh to continue to push forward um while all this has happened Mitch we appreciate your time uh we appreciate your insight into that whole situation as well um I know it's been emotional for everybody in the Gretna community so thank you for that and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon okay thanks take care guys thanks Mitch that's Mitch Sherman from The Athletic more for Dad Sports Radio coming up next